I'm J-Mac. And I'm Jess. And this is the Loosely Coupled Podcast. All right. So, um, I'm J-Mac. I'm Jess. Jess Archer. Cool. Cool. Hey, Jess. And you're in Australia. Yeah, I'm in uh, in sunny Queensland in Brisbane. That sounds that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, and you're in Louisville. Yes, I'm I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, which is it's considered the Midwest of the U.S. The only thing I've heard about Louisville is a Louisville Slugger. Yep, yep. We've got the Louisville Slugger. It's the it's the uh, baseball bat factory. Um, they they got a big museum downtown with like a. 100-foot uh, Louisville Slugger bat, like, out in front of it. So it's, like, this huge kind of statue-type thing of a baseball bat. Nice. Anyway, yeah, so, um, what, we probably started chatting, uh, I guess, maybe at the beginning of the year, or the end of last year, really? Yeah. I think it was, yeah, it was before Black Friday. Yeah. Oh, wow, so it was even, like, fall of 2018, really. Yeah. I remember you reached out to me and just you were asking a couple questions about um, base code, the field guide that I'd, I'd kind of, well, I was, at the time, I was finishing writing it, and I think you had a couple questions about it, and I don't remember exactly what, what you were asking me, but you were, like, super interested in it, I remember, like, you were, you had a bunch of questions. Yeah, I was quite, I was quite interested in the whole, the whole process, I'm, I'm kind of on this, this path of always trying to um, write cleaner code more readable code so that I don't, you know, hate myself in the future. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, but uh, I was curious because I, I think I purchased it and then I was like, where's the audio version? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I was very like MVP with the book. Like I wanted, I wanted to write, obviously I wrote kind of all the chapters and, and I finished that, but there were a lot of different add-ons that I wanted to make for it. And I was, I was a little optimistic about having them, like how quick I could make them. Um, I guess I overestimated how quick I could make them. Um, but the audio version was an interesting one. Like I just thought it was a little bit different, especially for like a code book. And so I was really excited to make it. But yeah, it just it just took a little bit longer um, than I wanted. I wanted it to. But in the process of making the audio version, I really instantly had the idea like, well, this should totally just be like a podcast. Um, and I think that's that's kind of when I was like, okay, well, I could just kind of take the first part of these and turn it into a podcast. Um, but then I was like, that's just, I don't know, it didn't feel human enough. And so I think in the in the process of you and I kind of reaching back and forth, I just, you had some good questions, you know, kind of along the way as a reader. And I thought, okay, well, that would be cool. Maybe like an author and a reader pairing up together and just kind of going through, you know, these practices. Yeah. I think it was actually uh, when you taught me on Twitter about the Git checkout uh, dash that switches between the the previous and um, current branches. Oh, the shorthand, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a game changer for me. <laughs> Un unrelated to the book, but one of those spicy Twitter tips that, that helps build your audience. Yep. Good, good. Absolutely. Well... What do you say we start with an episode zero here and get into the practices of the base code field guide? Yeah, that sounds fun. I really like how you called it a field guide because I kind of imagine 
you know, you're this, this developer that's got these cargo pants on and you've got this like tattered field guide in your pocket <laughs> and you come up on this situation where you're like, oh, I need to refer to, refer to the notes. And so you pull it out of your pocket and you open it up and you flip to, you know, nested code and you're like, okay, cool. I know how to move forward. And you put it back in your pocket and you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, I probably stopped wearing cargo shorts in like 1999 though. But, uh, but yeah, I mean... I think uh, I think to the point though, like definitely, that's something that um, was kind of intentional. Uh, at first, it was like this humble thing, you know. I didn't want to call it a book because, like, I didn't want the pressure of it having to be like 400 pages, um, and I wanted it to be like super tactical. And so, yeah, like my mind, you know, I do a lot of like camping, and you know, I was a Boy Scout, and so like I just. You know, I wanted it to be something that, yeah, was like this manual of like real world practices. And I spent a lot of time like distilling them down. So I'm looking forward to kind of sharing them here. I mean, I never had the idea of doing a podcast at first, but kind of like we talked about, like, I think it can be fun to kind of talk about them at a, at a high level and, and kind of take them from there. Yeah. And I think a, a book is something you read once, maybe twice, whereas a field guide or a manual, as you say, is is a reference. It's something that you come back to. You read it once to get an overview of it, but you're always coming back to it. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, what do you say we jump right in? Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I think it's it's great that the, the kind of overarching theme of the book is is readability and prioritizing readability. Um, that That really resonates with me. Um, I think I think a lot of developers go through these kind of phases where they will first they're learning and they kind of know they they don't know a lot and then they discover these patterns and these best practices um, but sometimes then they they just want to use these patterns because they're cool and fun and I've definitely been there. And then you kind of do that for a while and then you come back to some of that code and you're like, what, why did I do this? Um, and I think, yeah, I think you then get to this next stage where then you're more about readability. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, you know, it's something we all go through. Like I feel like in the beginning, exactly like you said, it's just something where you're, you're almost like um, overwhelmed with like all these different quote unquote, best practices, right? Like all these things you should be doing with your code. And in a way you get bogged down with like these practices for like a decade. Like seriously, the the first half of your career probably is just kind of weeding through which one of these practices like makes sense. And when you finally, like in my opinion, when you finally kind of get your head above water, right? Like, from all of these practices, you start to realize like most of them didn't really matter or at least matter as in make the code better. Like they didn't improve the code. And I think once you gain some of that experience, you start to accept that like, yeah, that underlying thing that matters most is, is code readability. Like can I, as an outsider or even as a future reader of my own code, like can I come back to this and look at it and remember what it's doing kind of without throwing up in my mouth, you know, like, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> I think the, you know, there, there's probably a better way to say that, but I mean, it, there's plenty of like XKCD comics and the humor comics. And I, you know, I put one of them in, in the introduction of the of base code. 
you know, that just says, you know, the only valid code quality measurement is WTFs per minute. And they kind of just even good code on, you know, kind of the left of this, you know, little um, illustration, you know, there's still a few WTFs that are being said, you know, but on, on the, um, on the right side, you know, bad code on the right is basically like, you know, every other line is just like WTF, you know, what was I doing? What is, what does this do? What the hell is this? You know, so I think the biggest thing for me, like the really transitional piece that kind of got my head back above water and of these other practices that maybe I was being distracted by was Kent Beck's implementation patterns. And there's a line, a very specific quote from, um, his chapter on motivation, like why is he motivated to kind of write cleaner code, write code that communicates, write more readable code. So he basically says that we read code more often than we write code. And very true. Yeah, that that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I remember just reading that and like I felt like my eyes got big, like even when I read that line. Like it's just this universal truth of programming. And I think if you think about this in like daily practice, it's so true because you know, when I'm figuring out the code I want to write, or like I'm reading a Stack Overflow answer, or I'm like reviewing code on GitHub to like see if this is a, you know, a package or a library that I want to bring into my project, like the ratio is, is you know, 10 to 1, it's 100 to 1, it's, it's crazy. Like if I'm working on a legacy code base trying to find a bug, like it might even be a thousand lines of code that I'm reading to like figure out this one line change to like fix that bug. So it's just... Everything in my experience told, you know, just confirmed that this was true. So that became for me this kind of pivotal moment where I realized, oh my gosh, like I want to make sure that I'm, I'm optimizing my code to be readable. Like that seems to be what stands the best chance at my code, not having like all of these WTFs that are happening, you know, when I'm reading it back years later or I'm sharing it with other people like, you know, yeah, maybe they're not like thumbs up. That's like a super cool one liner, you know, like, but at least they're able to approach the code and, and like look at it. So, yeah, I think uh, there's a there's a saying that I've heard that says you are not your code. And I think it's an important one to keep in mind uh, for a few reasons. I think when you start to learn about these, you know, really complex patterns, you then feel like if you don't show those off in your code that you're not representing all the skills you have. Yeah. Um, but I think when it, when it comes down to it, the code that you'll be more proud of in the future is actually the code that you can read easily. Yeah. It's an interesting statement. Cause like, I feel as often, you know, in our industry, like I've, I feel like these things can be taken both ways. So like when you, at first when you, I, I hadn't heard that quote, that often. So at first when you said that, I thought, oh, well, you know, um, you're not your code in a way like it absolved you of like accountability. Like, I don't know why, but that's like where my head went of like, oh, like no big deal on whatever the code is that I write. And so on one hand, I totally see what you mean. Like there's no pressure. So like, you know, don't worry about like trying to write code that impresses, like write code that, you know, makes sense to you. Um, so on that side of it, like that's, that's good. But on the other side of it, like, I feel like I have to disagree because I, you should have like ownership and like pride in the code that you write in a way. Right. Yeah. So, but if you, if you look at some of the best, the most readable code bases, I shouldn't say best, but most readable, you generally can't tell always 
well, you shouldn't be able to tell who wrote the code. If you've got a team of developers, you shouldn't be looking at that code going, oh, that was written by Bob, that was written by Jane. Um, if, if you inject too much of your personal style on the code, that's almost, um, yeah, I, th I think that fights against readability. No, that's a good point. I, I think that I think that makes sense. I mean, you should definitely it should flow. Um, you know, even just like a book does. Like, you don't want to read one chapter in like one tone, and then the next chapter is in another tone, right? Yeah. Um, so that definitely makes sense. In fact, um, it might have also been implementation patterns, or it might have just been someone else's quote. But someone said that um, programming is a team sport, even if. Uh, you're the only person on the team because it's still you and future you, you know? Yep, I like that. So it kind of, it kind of, um, that flows pretty nicely. I don't know, that's what it made me think of was, was kind of when you were saying that, you know, if you're on a team, like ideally everybody's kind of coding collectively, if you will. And, but even if you're not on a team, it, it, that quote kind of made me think of that too, is like it's still a team sport. Like, because there's, there's the aspect of time, which I don't think other not too many other things have that you know yeah but i think it is a good point to uh to always think about you know your future self and what they're gonna think like ideally that's your strongest motivator is is just what am i gonna think of this code in the future i don't know maybe that maybe that's a big driving factor for some people i know it is for me sometimes yeah like if i'm not gonna be happy with it i know i need to take a minute and like do something better like that's Everything from like, you know, doing the dishes to, you know, the code that I write. Yeah. It's kind of like when people talk about technical debt, it's a bit of a, a bit of a fuzzy sort of term, but you could look at it as though it's, it's anything that you already want to change in the future um, or something that you're going to want to change. So you could almost look at, uh, at readability and creating overly complex code as creating technical debt. So although you might be implementing some amazing pattern, if it doesn't quite fit right and doesn't make sense to future you or other readers, then, you know, it might as well be technical debt. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good point. I mean, it's definitely something you have to consider. That's why I think like readability really, if you, if you prioritize something like readability, it, it really actually can be an influencer in a lot of different decisions. And it's unfortunate, too, because I think some people dismiss things like readability and therefore some of these practices as just being, like, too fundamental or I don't need to worry about that one. And in a way, they're, I spent a lot of time, like, distilling these. I mean, I've been programming for, like, 20 years. And in the back of my mind, like, you know, I've been thinking about which ones matter as I go from project to project or code base to code base or even language to language. Like... Just I've kind of anecdotally kind of kept that in the back of my mind. And it's something that when I went to put them down on paper, like, okay, well, at first I had 12, you know, and then I kind of narrowed it down and got more to 10. And so each one matters is kind of the point. And unfortunately, I think, you know, sometimes you'll hear, oh, okay, well, we're going to talk about formatting or naming stuff. And like, you know, that's easy. I don't need to worry about that one. But it's like, well... There's, there's an aspect of each that, you know, play into each other to kind of get you to a place that's readable. I would, I would argue that readable code has, if nothing else, at least one of these 10 practices, like it exhibits 
those or it has that applied to it, you can see it inside of that code. If not, maybe even all of them, depending on what the code is. So, you know, you can't you can't really throw any one of them out. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that that's kind of helped me write more readable code is is taking a an outside in approach and writing the code that I wish I had. So basically writing the API of the class first rather than thinking, oh, it needs to do this this thing behind the scenes, so I'll write that code first. By writing the API, which is the part that is the the part that you're going to be looking at in the future and that other people are going to be looking at on that that higher level before drilling down. If you focus on making that just read really, really well, the rest of the details happen a bit more naturally than if you try to shoehorn that readability in after you've written the complex implementation behind it. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree. Like, I remember my very first computer science course in college, like, the professor talked about, you know, just divide and conquer. Like, that was his big thing. You know, he's just, I think he, like, used to be a history teacher or something before he was a CS <laughs> teacher. But, I mean, he was just, like, divide and conquer. Like, it was very strategic, you know, it was very tactical advice. But it's it's something that I still do today to the same point, like, no matter what it is, however small, I don't start with like the actual implementation. I'll normally write like some commented pseudocode of just like what I just in a way just to keep the keyboard moving. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because a lot of times as developers, like when you're there's nothing more intimidating than a blank screen, like, you know, or, a, or an empty class because our minds start working against us like in this, I'm going to architect like this crazy awesome thing. But if you just keep typing i find that you know i'll end up in a situation where i'm i'm actually more focused instead of kind of allowing my mind to wander and the code ends up actually in, in more of a readable place like because i'll take that pseudocode those commented codes and I'll, I'll turn it into something but what i do is i'll what ends up happening is i maintain that high level pseudocode kind of elements, that readability that's at that high level. Because a lot of time when you're writing those pseudocode comments, they're very human readable sentences almost, you know? Yeah. So when I'm translating that into my actual implementation of the code, I, I, I preserve those, right? That doesn't mean I keep those comments, not at all. But it does mean that I kind of make sure that to keep those elements of readability. And it just makes it easier. It's I'm faster that way, honestly. Yeah. So. I agree. I think, I think what you sort of touched on there is a bit about momentum um, and how it's it can be hard to get started. It's hard to to get rolling. But once you've once you are rolling, if you can maintain that, then that's when you get into that that flow state where you, you know, you're becoming really really productive. But yeah, if you're sitting at the screen going, "What's the actual code I've got to write now?" then yeah that can be pretty hard so i think that that tip on on yeah just just writing the pseudocode and that might eventually become the higher level method names yeah exactly um, and i mean i think i think they play hand in hand with each other really well because when you're writing the comments in a way just because it's a comment like it's almost like a trick with our minds that it's not real code but you'll find that to your point you actually end up writing the code that kind of maybe you want you know, like unconsciously, like how you kind of wanted the methods or that interface to, to behave or what even you wanted things to be named. So 
it ends up shining through. Yeah, and I don't want to get too much into test-driven development, but I think I think that particular practice does help with that because if you start with your test, you start with your, um, you know, with this outline of what you want it to do, and then you go fill in the blanks as you go along. Um, so I think that's a that's a good one to to work into it. Absolutely. So what do you do when you come across a situation where the code you're writing you're having a hard time making it readable because it needs to be complex. Needs to be complex. Hmm. I think it's kind of like we were saying earlier with divide and conquer. It's it's one of those things where I want to keep readability at the forefront of my mind. Like if I if I change code in any way, then it's going to be to make it more readable. But it kind of buried maybe in the wording there um, and you know we're very technical so we can kind of parse that sentence and see that you know we say if I change code well if I'm initially writing code then there's kind of this opportunity I guess in a way or there's this time frame in which that code can maybe live in a unreadable or a more complex state right because you know sometimes we, we just we need to like write the code that works and to the point of like not getting stuck or or having like this intimidating empty class that we have to fill in right or this method body that we have to fill in like just just write it write the code that you know you need and and then you know you can iterate on it so it's something where i don't i don't want like readability to to be this thing that keeps you from writing code or or paralyzes you in a way i want to make sure that readability is the motivation for improving the code um, you know so if the code exists kind of in this current state then there's always an opportunity to come back and kind of clean it up and, and that's what these practices aim to address is, is existing code that you can apply one of these individual practices to to improve it from a readability perspective uh, and ideally in the process making the code you know appear less complex or or be less complex that sounds good so yeah, so I think I think that's the goal maybe of of the podcast is is really possibly even just kind of a mini series uh, going through these practices because at the end of the day I realize there, you know, in programming and and over the years of my experience I realized that in a way you can't really be told um, how to write your code you know you, it's not something um, I think is very effective. So I was hoping, you know, with base code and even this podcast that, you know, by kind of talking them out, especially, you know, with, with the reader, with someone else who, who shares um, kind of um, a passion for, for readable code, who appreciates readable code, we can kind of talk out our own experiences and the practices to kind of not only give like actual, actionable advice on how to improve your code, but hopefully also maybe convince, um, you know, maybe some people who are on the fence uh, whether or not some of these practices, you know, maybe truly matter. Yeah, and I think uh, I think some people might have heard some of the things before, but when you hear the, when you hear the same thing from different people's perspectives, sometimes it resonates you within a, in a different way. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's really good. For sure. So, yeah, I think these, uh, the practices... Although, like, some of them are, are familiar to me, um, I think reading them and, and just sort of, like, rediscovering them again as well has, has really helped kind of solidify them 
and there's some of them that you know like rule of three uh is actually a bit of a, a bit of a game changer uh for me and helped me stop writing these complex abstractions and even nested code i think is a really good one to to just you know always keep on your mind yeah i, I think it's i think that there's a, there's a lot of really solid things here that all come back to that overarching uh principle of readability nice well yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to talking about them uh together and and hopefully um sharing them uh with everybody out there yeah the only other thing i wanted to say i guess is is how since i've started focusing on readability as as more of an overarching principle i've actually found that the code i've written when i've come back to look at it later has definitely had less of a you know wtfs per minute or per per line uh ratio than the code that i used to write that you know that was that was more complex that's that's good if that's the only valid measurement according to the comic then uh then yeah then you're you're winning (laughs) (laughs) cool all right well should we um should we wrap up this first one here yeah, that sounds great. So uh, where to next? I guess we'll jump into the first practice. We'll start at the beginning, uh, formatting. Sounds great. Cool. See ya. See ya. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at looselycoupledpodcast.com slash zero.